everybody. Welcome back to the Noel Kassler podcast, episode 25. We're six months into this journey now. I'm back here with my main man, Jimmy Kennedy. The boys are back in town celebrating <laughs> the great Phil Lennott's birthday. Thin Lizzy, one of my all-time favorite bands. Jimmy's too young to know who Thin Lizzy is, but uh, I love them. And uh, Phil's looking down on us and smiling, I'm sure. Jimmy, how you doing today? Doing great, buddy. Another crazy week to be an American, man. Holy hell. It's been a crazy week, but you know, we're used to that now. That's commonplace. Yeah. yeah I just, I <laughs> wish so many people didn't have to suffer because of it, you know? So I guess we'll get right into it. Everybody's talking about the same thing this week. What else can you talk about? The Taliban deal, that pullout, which was which was a disaster. I mean, I don't think anybody is going to look at it any other way. It's getting cleaned up a little bit, but just what an awful thing, what awful optics, and and more importantly, you know, what awful human suffering on the ground, you know, and it's just terrible to watch. And, and it was basically, in my opinion, it was a tripwire left by the previous administration who brokered a deal with the Taliban in May of 2020, I believe, before Trump had tried to invite the Taliban to Camp David on the anniversary of 9-11, which was just the most insane thing in the world. But anyway, you know, Trump thought he'd get a Nobel Peace Prize out of it or something. And so he cuts this deal and then he loses the election. And I think the deal had caveats, you know, and one of them was like, if I don't win the election, then whatever peace quote unquote, I brokered goes south. You know, I think they were always going to hand the country over to the Taliban because I think that's what Putin wants. Right. I think every action that Trump does is to appease and serve his master, who is Vladimir Putin. And all the mysterious things that happened in the Trump administration that people couldn't figure out, like why they fired USDA scientists. You may not remember this, but they told all these scientists like they had to, you know, people who work in the Washington, D.C. area, amongst which, you know, I have an uncle who spent his whole career there as a USDA research researcher in Beltsville, Maryland. And, you know, and these guys study crop yields and things like that. You know, these are dedicated professionals. And inexplicably, Trump was like, you guys either have to move to our new facility in Kansas or like be fired <laughs> in two months or something. And everyone's like, why is he doing this? Trump was doing stuff like that to appease Putin because they want to like mess up our agricultural system. It was the same way he had all these tariffs who benefited from all those tariffs, you know, that Trump put on crops, the Russians, because now they could sell their stuff on the world market. Ditto steel tariffs. So back to the subject at hand, that's what this deal was that he cut with the Taliban. How our current intelligence officials failed to see it even though they were cut out of the transition, you know, once Trump lost the election, basically what happened is Trump sent Pompeo and Jared over to the Middle East on a 21 day tour, right? On November 21st. It's like, you already lost. Why are you sending your boys over there? You know, and their line was they want to shore up the Trump administration's interest in the Mideast, right? So my take on it is it was basically Pompeo was like, all right, we're doing plan B on the Taliban deal now. Make sure it's the biggest shit show you could imagine when they pull out and don't let the other guy know it's coming. And that's basically what happened, right? That's the images you had on Sunday. You're too young to remember. I was just a kid. I was about four years old when Saigon fell. And I remember watching it because we would watch the nightly news 
every night in Crofton, Maryland at the time, living at my grandma's house. You know, and I remember seeing that on TV. And obviously you can see the images on video. And this was the same sort of thing. You know, this spectacular image of giant American imperialism losing interest in a country that we attacked that never wanted us there and now leaving it much worse for the wear and leaving the people that we sort of coaxed into supporting us and, you know, helping us all the while to die, you know, to be slaughtered by your enemies. It's, I couldn't imagine anything more horrifying than what's happening now. And, you know, it's kind of how we roll as a nation, Jimmy. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of our, war making at this point is to make money for companies and to imperialize for raw materials to fuel capitalism. You know, that's kind of become the MO of the armed forces is to police the world. And in exchange, you get some resources along the way that continue the systems that have put us in the place that we are now. And you, you talked about it in your car rant this afternoon. There's been, you know, opportunities where we're with Afghanistan and then we're against Afghanistan you know it's it's all about resources and whatever the political position is at that time and and, you know as far as Trump and uh how he's placated to Russia just look at the way he had the Kurds slaughtered you know that was another army base that was completely taken over by the Russians everybody forgets about that because at the time it was during the first impeachment but Trump has uh, repeatedly undermined the United States and their interests uh, as far as international relations are concerned. Exactly. You know, and it's a good point to bring that up, Jimmy. And and in Trump's little screed that he was deleting, they were furiously deleting all the credit he had taken for the Taliban deal on Sunday. You know, they removed it from his website. They removed mentions of it from the RNC because we know they like to rewrite history, right? But in that little like missive that he sent, he said, yeah, you know, I pulled out and it was peaceful, just like I pulled out of, you know, Sudan and how I pulled out of Syria and left the Kurds and took the oil (laughs) in all caps. He writes that, you know, like plundering is a good thing and legal in his mind. And people also forget you made a few great points. The guys that we sort of just handed the country over to unbeknownst to us, you know, the Taliban or whatever. Osama bin Laden was part of the Mujahideen. He was a rich Saudi Arabian scion from a wealthy family who went to join this fight that we supported in the late 70s because those rebels were fighting against the Soviet Union that tried to invade Afghanistan and got their asses kicked like the British and everybody before them. You can't fight these kind of wars on somebody's home turf you know when the home turf is either jungle or mountains you know the kind of place where you can just hide out in a village and like they're not going anywhere they have everything to fight for and you have 19 20 year old kids that may or may not buy the sort of patriotic bullshit that you're selling them as for the reason they're in that war and most of them get there and realize it's bs my cousin was a Marine sniper in Afghanistan, you know, and he was all for it. He was a, you know, a product of 9-11. He's a young man, joined up. And he said, I got there. I realized my job was like shooting at poor people, <laughs> you know, like there was no gains to be made. We weren't trying to take over the country. You know, it was a war of attrition, like Vietnam. You're just trying to kill as many people and a general's like putting a, a, mar- a hash mark on a chart he has on some wall somewhere and then you take a hill then you give back the hill there's no point to it and while while that's happening people are getting killed 
the people who live there, the people who are invading the place. You know, and I had buddies that are very right-wing MAGA types. And of course, they started texting me, you know, this week after it happened, you know, and they're like, I can't believe Biden messed this up so much. He's like, we were there to do good things. And now they're leaving behind all these people I helped. I'm like, dude, you went there to shoot people in the first place. Don't act like you went over there to start hugging these people. The dudes that were rah-rah joining up to do this weren't doing it because they're like, we want to bring education to Afghanistan. Come on. You wanted to kick some ass. You saw what happened on 9-11. Somebody told you these are the guys who did it and you wanted to go kick their asses, <laughs> you know? And the Taliban are evil. I'm not saying they're not. They are. And they were hiding Osama bin Laden who then escaped to Pakistan, you know, and who miraculously could never be found by the Bush administration. They didn't want to find him because he's a boogeyman who lets perpetual wars happen. Just like you said, this was about Kellogg, Brown, Root, and Halliburton getting the contracts to fund the services that it cost to prosecute a war. Okay. War is the largest consumer of gas and oil in our country, right? The largest emitter of carbon, you know, waste is from war. You know how much fuel they use in those tanks and helicopters and all this bulldozers and things to build military bases. And people don't realize these operating bases, they're huge in terms of a logistics infrastructure thing, right? They have subway sandwich shops. They have all these civilian employees that are part of war. It's big business. There's a lot of money to be made if you get these no-bid contracts. And that's what KBR is, the military services company. The infrastructure <laughs> of war, there's a lot of money in it. If you're in that sort of field and you're in gas and oil, there's going to be a lot of demand for gas and oil if you're sending the United States military and 200,000 troops to occupy a foreign country. And then you get sick of it after a couple decades and you're real rich and you pull out and you leave a mess for the next guy. And that's what they did with Biden, you know? So like one administration profited from it, right? Bush and Cheney and all these guys. Obama was stuck with it, you know, and, and remained mired in it. And then Trump used it like for his own gain, like he does everything else and, and had a sort of more wily counterpoint that was dictated to him by Vladimir Putin, which was like, I'm getting that country back. You know, Vladimir was like, ex-KGB, USSR, Soviet Union. He doesn't forget his grudges. He's still prosecuting the Cold War against the United States. And he's basically kind of winning these days, you know, because all these guys you see at these school rallies and stuff showing up, spitting out this anti-vax, anti-mask screeds. Those are soldiers in Putin's army. They think they're patriotic, dumb fuck Americans, but they're really doing the bidding of a Russian who's trying to destabilize our democracy and hurt our people as much as he can, right? So Putin was like, hey, the deal is, and I'm wrapping up here, folks, but this is my point. The deal was, you know, Trump lost the election. Putin was shocked because he thought he'd win. He was able to put him across the finish line in 2016. Trump only became more popular. So shockingly, he loses. And thankfully for the course of the free world, and Putin goes, well, you owe me Afghanistan. You know, I'm getting that thing back. I want to have influence in that sphere. And now he's going to have it. And the, the most maddening and sickening thing is this plays into Trump's hands and his base so well. OK, if you thought Benghazi was something you heard about a lot in the 18 right. hearings they had or whatever, in the 600 hours of testimony, just wait until this thing gets rolling. This is all you're going to hear about for the next three years. And any dumbass MAGA supporter who couldn't see through 
the veils of bullshit they've been fed for the last few years are going to eat this up like it's there was a guy yesterday tried to blow up the Library of Congress. He was mentioning Afghanistan. He was mad because he thought Afghani ref, Afghan refugees were going to come here and get free health care. Right? right. He was from North Carolina. He doesn't have health care because his own government didn't take part. You know, his own state government opted out of the Medicaid option to appease these shit kicker racists. I'm going to curse a lot today, folks, just to give you a warning. I usually don't curse in my act, but I can't help it anymore because it's maddening. Right. And, and where's the opposition? You know, what are we doing? That that was a, a fumble, man. That was an unforced error. That was not something that Biden should have walked into. And his intelligence agencies failed him. And he's a man and he's owning it. You know, he's not blaming it on somebody else. But God, you just gave them everything. And you probably gave them the House and the Senate in the midterms, if not the next election. Well, and you know, maybe I'm outrageous, but these days I don't think outrageous can even be covered, you know, but my doomsday scenario is that Trump could be back in power before 2024. If they take back the House, they appoint him as speaker, you know, and then they file the process of trying to get Biden out and then Kamala. At this point, they're full fascists. They could do that. What's going to stop him from trying to get him back into some position of power? You know, uh, absolutely. And Matt Getz said he was going to do it last night. Matt Getz was at a rally last night in in Wisconsin with the little like with the glass eater troll. What's her right. name? Marjorie Taylor Green. <laughs> the the ventriloquist dummy without the person operating it. Yeah, man. Dude, her job should be bare knuckle fighting behind a truck stock dumpster. <laughs> For loose cigarettes and beef jerky. That's as far as her career ever should have gone, right? Yeah. People should have been placing bets on whatever truck driver she was going to beat up, you know, <laughs> like and getting paid in loose chicken wings that they find on the, you know, she's just horrible. And, and I'll get on a tangent here if I'm not careful, because it's just, we're in such a bad position with these guys. So anyway, Matt Getz has given up, you know, a speech last night with M MTG talking about this saying trump's going to be instated he's going to make him speaker of the house and he he laughingly invokes one of the insurrectionists who put his feet up on pelosi's desk and says oh if pelosi if nancy didn't like that guy with her feet up on his desk wait till trump's sitting behind her desk you know and he got applauded for saying this you know and they, they could get away with this because people are so goddamn pollyanna-ish about this thing matt gates everyone's like he's going to jail that was March, man. He's He's got a podcast, right? He's competing with us. He's got a podcast. He's doing tours like a comedian, right? He's freaking making bank because he knows he's kind of untouchable. He's a smarmy white kid with a powerful father. And this country was set up to protect people like him. And he knows it. That's what all these guys know. They're in on the deal, right? The FBI, there's an article came out today. Reuters is basically an arm of Russian propaganda at this point. So you can't really trust them. But the article was like, and I got friends who work at Reuters, but it's a piece of crap, let's be honest. And uh, they said, you know, that leadership at FBI doesn't see any connection between Trump, you know, and his leadership and January 6th. It's like they were making t-shirts, bro. There was organization there. There was more organization than Lollapalooza, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and Coachella. 
there was buses coming in. Trump was tweeting, get on the bus. January 6th is going to be wild, right? It was freaking completely organized. The guys had walkie talkies. They were working in concert with each other. They were walking through lines with one hand on the other guy's shoulder as they went through crowds. They were military moves. I'm not going to rehash this whole thing because I've done episodes on it, you know, with Zeb Shalev and all these people, but it was completely organized. But Christopher Ray's not going to see that. He's from the Federalist Society. You know, I don't think people really understand what kind of guy joins the FBI for the most part. If you think the cops are like hardcore, like white supremacist types in your town, meet a couple FBI agents, you know, and it's not to say they're all like that. But and, and I'll find this stuff on Twitter. I'll never find more vocal supporters. And I'll probably get in trouble for saying this of the DOJ and the FBI than like middle aged white women. You know, middle-aged white women are always like, come on down, you know, calm down. They're getting it done. You know, give them time. Merrick Garland's just building an airtight case. Like you don't have time. You know, where is this constant faith coming from? It's not, this isn't Atticus Finch. This is not law and order. You might've been raised on this institutional faith, but it's not working in your favor. The FBI did more to damage Hillary Clinton than they ever have Donald Trump. Okay, he killed his executives in the late 80s when his hotel was under investigation, well, his casino, Taj Mahal. If they wanted to arrest Trump, they would have done it 30 years ago. Okay, Trump has gotten away with not paying his taxes for 30 years. A friend of mine, Mary Boone, is a big art dealer in New York City. She went to jail two years ago for tax evasion. She was a 70 year old woman who got thrown in Danbury Correctional Institute for not paying her taxes. Nobody with the last name Trump has ever gone to jail for tax evasion. And his father did it since the 50s. You know, his son did it. So these big institutions, they're in the business of giving a pass to somebody like Donald Trump. And if you really think they're going to hold him accountable, you're clearly mistaken. And like I always say, time is not on your side. And Sunday, the Afghan pullout was why I say that. Okay, because they're always running out the clock until they can do some other kind of thing that levels the playing field for them. And this botched pullout now gives them talking points for the next two or three years that are going to be louder than any kind of thing you can counter with about the insurrection because you didn't go after them. You need to arrest people in the spring. You need to do it right away, not oh, we're building an airtight case. It was the same people like, it's Mueller time. He's taking a long time because he's just going to nail him. No, he's not. He punted to Congress and then disappeared. He didn't come out and give a press conference. Not saying his report wasn't valid, but it wasn't what you need. You're not going to beat these guys with the team we have. You need some young, kick-ass, unafraid leadership in there to really hold these guys accountable. You need Eric Swalwell and this generation of folks you know, AOC, you don't need business as usual. Well, let's appease everybody. Merrick Garland was appointed in the first place by President Obama to appease the Republicans. He was like, this guy's a conservative. They can't, they'll definitely have to confirm him. And Biden's, you know, I'm hands off with the DOJ, which is great in principle, but it's the wrong time for that. You need somebody who's going to be like, you need to go in there, clean house, kick ass and take names, or it's going to be too late. And we're, Jimmy, we're inching up on too late. Yeah, we're right there. I mean, one of the things I was going to, and you kind of mentioned it, man. I think that Joe realizes the magnitude of the moment that the Republic is hanging there in the balance. But the way the system works and all the interests between the lines 
keep him from really being able to kick ass, even if he wanted to, because of all the money that gets made with books being written and just people wanting to keep their positions. And, you know, you brought up a great point. Middle-aged white women, you know, being so supportive of all these investigations and stuff. One thing that I've talked about with women here is like, where are all these men's wives that are saying, you know, I'm going to leave you if you don't stand up to Trump. I'm, I'm a little disappointed in all, these sp- in all these spouses that stood by and allowed their husbands to work for scum like Trump during yeah. that four-year stretch. Look, it was women that put Trump in the White House. It was suburban white women and rural white women that put him over the line. You know, I was right. at an airport with Graham Nash in Florida in October of 2016, right before the election. And I'm waiting for my bags. And these two, you know, well-to-do, I think it was Fort Myers Airport. You know, we were heading to Naples, Florida, a pretty wealthy area. And these two women are waiting for their bags. And they're talking with each other about the election. And they're like, well, we can't vote for Hillary. Yeah, I don't trust her. Well, I guess we have to vote for Donald Trump. Well, he's crazy. Yeah, but at least it'll be entertaining right? These were women that were 50, 60, you know, they were in their late 50, 60 years old. They were unwilling to vote for a woman. Right. You know, they were unwilling to vote for an accomplished, smart woman in Hillary Clinton. I don't know what's made them feel that way, but somehow they thought it was better to vote for a, a sexual predator, you know, who spent his life trying to fuck teenagers, you know, and was on his fourth wife, who was an escort, you know, that he had his fourth kid by a third woman with. Somehow, that made more to these comfortable women who were waiting for their Louis Vuitton bags and they were going to get in their Mercedes and they were going to go to their nice house up in Naples and stuff. Didn't care. Didn't care about like what it took to get America to the point that you had a woman candidate, you know, and, and there's something and it's like I'm saying on this same institutional thing. There's something in people's psyche that think, well, a white man in a suit has to be the way to go. Right. And it's not. It's part of this parochial like thing that we inherit as Americans. Any candidate right now who's like an older white guy who's asking me for money on Twitter, like there's one (laughs) North Carolina who I just unfollowed and then he saw that I unfollowed him. So he unfollowed me and I unfollowed him because he was asking for money every five seconds. He's like, help me get to such and such. Help me get to such and such amount. Another, we're almost there. Hey, Twitter peeps. You know, he was doing these scams that you see on Twitter, you know, just asking for money. And his tweets were just regurgitating other people's content. So, and so I unfollow the guy and then he unfollows me too. So you could mm-hmm. see his interest wasn't really serving. He was looking for people he could make money off of, you know, and, and I was sort mm-hmm. of giving him the benefit of the doubt, but he's from a state that I'm like, do we really need another white man with silver hair coming <laughs> out of that state? You know, it was a Southern state. Let's get a person of color in there. Let's get a woman in there, right. Let's get a woman of color. We need represent representation that represents America. Now, you know, the guys that are like these older white guys or vets or whatever, you got to step aside. There's a lot of other ways to help in this country. You can be an ally to other people and put them in the legislative branch and put them in the executive branch and and support them. Be an ally. Go do something else. It's your country. It's been your country for 300 years. Like I say all the time, go play golf, go build gazebos. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if you don't want to and if you want to join the fight, help out at a local level. It's not like people that just come into office aren't going to need help and support. There's a million ways to do it. Be somebody's chief of staff instead of being the guy who gets to sit behind the big desk. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of what I tell folks, you know, I tell people with disabilities all the time, look, you may not be able to play in the NFL, but you can be on the sidelines. You know, it's the same deal. Every one of these candidates need good people around them to build a strong campaign. And you brought up a great point, man. We don't need Chuck Grassley. <laughs> we don't need Diane Feinstein. You know, she's been a loyal part of the Democratic Party, but she was the mayor of San Francisco in the 1980s. Like she's been around for a really long time. We need some new blood, some new ideas. And I was thinking about the um, the bomber at the in Washington the other day. They got rid of Timothy McVeigh within a matter of weeks in Terre Haute <laughs> at a federal prison. Like the way that they're walking around and letting these guys walk free from the insurrection, it's embarrassing. And, and they need to take it seriously. <laughs> Dude, they haven't found the bombers that the bomber that sent the two bombs on the right. Capitol, right? <laughs> this FBI that everybody's like, oh, have faith in them. They're getting the job done. They were asking the public for help to identify the 500, you know, whatever people, the thousand people that entered the Capitol. They're like, can you help us identify this person? And a couple of cases, they messed up and let people go. <laughs> and like sedition trackers had to go and like remind the FBI, no, this guy's a criminal. Right. And that those people are foot soldiers. People are like, oh, they arrested another guy. Who cares? The judges are letting these guys out left and right. They're getting to go home. You know, all kinds of crazy things. The chick who stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop got released on bail on her own recognizance. You know what I'm saying? Khalif Browder spent three years in fucking Rikers Island, two of which were in solitary confinement for allegedly stealing a backpack as a 15 year old and his family couldn't afford, you know, six, seven hundred dollars to bond him out. And the guy spent three years on on an island called Rikers Island, which is hell on earth, you know, hell on earth. Nobody deserves to live under the circumstances they live under there, no matter what you did. But all these folks, you know, they're getting like, hey, I got to go to a wedding. Hey, judge, can you let me out of jail? (laughs) You know, like they're already benefiting from the system that's set up to protect them. And I'm not really interested in them. Yeah. Oh, I'm in jail. But who who led them there? Give me your Roger Stones again. Give me all you guys that Trump has already pardoned. So the whole thing is a big freaking scam. And like they had. What about the Nashville bomber at Christmas? Whatever happened? You ever hear about that guy? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you brought it up, man. How is Trump not under arrest just by being an accomplice of other guys that have been arrested? You know, like Mike Flynn, Steve Bannon, Roger Stone, Paul Manafort. You know, he's been connected to all those guys. By association, he should be under arrest. Look, he <laughs> let those guys out of jail and pardon them so they could do exactly what happened on January 6th, Jimmy. Yeah. Right? They, the, you know, it's Ocean's Eleven, and they were putting the team back together. We need the guy, the ninja guy to break into the vault and do gymnastics so the lasers don't point him up. You know, we need Roger Stone to dress up like Batman and go out in public or Batman's villain, you know, and go out in public and get the Proud Boys all riled up and stuff. You know, they all had their purpose. Mike Flynn, a fascist. And this is a fascist takeover. Okay. You're you're so close to the point of like no return. And thankfully, legislation legislators are pushing back texas the other night you know they blocked all of this like governor abbott's mask you know anti-mask mandates and school districts they basically all said f you old man like we're wearing masks in schools thank god and he's got it right the Clinton has it and he's already gotten two shots he got his third booster he's getting regeneron he's getting the best health care in the world while he's letting his constituents die 
Well, and, uh, you know, uh, roller Texas Ranger, just like Donald Trump getting socialized medicine. As the governor, it's not like he's going to have a bill for $100,000. And how many times did the, has the GOP placated, you know, it's about the children. It's about saving children, you know, all the, each year and each election cycle. You have kids with ventilators that are on vents, man, that are dying every day, and you still refuse to wear a mask. You don't give a shit about kids. Stop okay. acting like you do, because you don't. And one, one more thing. As far as leaving Afghanistan, you know, where were you when kids were being separated from their parents at the border? It's the same shade of skin color. You should have cared about that, too. You know, you can't pick and choose where you put your empathy. That's my point. I'm talking to you about my MAGA veterans who call me up or text me all pissed off the other day, like, all these women and children in Afghanistan are getting left behind now. It's like, dude, you just supported Donald Trump. You're worried about women's rights and kids. You're from Florida, man. Kids are dying. Your governor's getting a cut of Regeneron profits through his biggest donor. He told everybody not to get vaccinated, not to wear a mask, but they could get free Regeneron that the government is paying for. Again, socialism, right? And you see him dying on the floors of public libraries. The woman in Jacksonville is laying on the floor, moaning and crying and pulling herself forward, you know, with a plastic sheet over her, trying to get through the four hour wait to get these Regeneron treatments, which is kind of way too late to be getting them when you have that many symptoms. Like she needs to be in a hospital bed, not the floor of a public library. A thousand people have been walking on, you know, right. and that, it's so degrading and that somebody's wife. That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's mother. You know, it incensed me to see this smug, arrogant prick who went to Yale and Harvard and Navy JAG school and started his career, you know, as a Navy JAG in Gitmo, telling them what they could do to prisoners and interrogate them, right? And then he was a Navy JAG advisor to the Navy SEALs in Fallujah during the surge. Can you imagine how much hinky shit that guy signed off on? Ron DeSantis, when he was in that position, if this is how cruel and sadistic he is as a governor, right? Mm. But he doesn't care and they don't see themselves as being held accountable because they know that they sort of have the army on their side, right? There's no Democrats surrounding the state capitol and, and the, you know, the governor's mansion in Tallahassee, right? We don't take to the streets anymore. The MAGA guys do. Right. And, and what did the bomber have yesterday? What was he in outside the Library of Congress with his propane bomb? Was he in a Prius? Was he in a, a pickup Prius? truck? He was in a pickup truck, a black Ford F-150 with big jacked up wheels. Right. That's the, it's a militarized, toxic mentality. It's what I've been trying to tell people for fucking five years. He's building an army. He's mm -hmm. Trump is a con man. He realized, hey, there's a lot of really dumb really racist, racist, white trash Americans out there. And that's his term. That's what he called these people. He would have his security walk with him through the casinos and say, don't let the white trash touch me. That's where the whole germaphobe thing came from. He's not a germaphobe. He eats McDonald's. You don't eat McDonald's yeah. if you're scared of germs, let alone sleep with anything that walks in a room that you can grab or rape or assault, okay? He's not worried about germs. A dude doesn't brush his teeth. Okay, he's filthy. He smells. Okay, he where he shits himself in diapers that he then sits in until somebody comes and changes him out of them. Okay, 
He's not worried about hygiene and germs. That was a made up thing because he didn't want people touching him in the casinos because all these women that he would bus in from places like Kentucky and Ohio and these same states that he now grifts, you know, as a president and post-president, he, he sent these buses out when he owned these casinos and they'd be like, come gamble in Trump casino. And he'd send these free buses and they'd bus all these people in and they'd put their social security checks into his coin operated fucking whatever you call them. What are those things where you pull the wheel? Slot. Oh, machines, slot right, yeah. machines, right. And he'd walk through because he always needs attention. Right. So he'd walk through the casinos so everybody would look at him. Right. Because he right. needs that bump. Oh, look, there's Mr. Trump. Right. And he, he used to walk around like he was president back then. He would always have a phalanx of security guards, you know, and every once in a while, a woman would get up and run over to him. They're like, hey, Mr. Trump, love it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And he would have his security push them away. He'd be like, don't let the white trash touch me. And then he'd take all their money and he'd send them back to their states without so much as a free meal. You know, and they had the shittiest food in Atlantic City in the Trump casinos because he cuts costs. He doesn't care about people. And uh, that's a true story. Uh, that's that's how he feels about this. But he realized, hey, these dumbasses can serve me again as president and I can get them all riled up and thinking that the immigrants are taking what they need. And that's what this bomber was about. Right. His whole litany was about how immigrants were getting free health care or these guys that were going to come from Afghanistan, these refugees were going to get free health care and his wife had cancer and we had to pay the bills. Right. right? Well, and Sorry, it's the resentment of the other. You know, the guy who's preventing you from getting health care is on the 18th hole at Wingfoot right now, you know, about to go back to his 6,000 square foot mansion in Watermill, you know, <laughs> like... He's not, it's not some immigrant who's sneaking across the border to work their asses off and help their kids have a better life. Those are your brethren, man. Those are the people you should be siding with and, and, and living alongside with and learning from and sharing from because the culture that they can bring you can also snap you out of this white bread mentality that's kept you so goddamn ignorant for several generations, right? Have some tacos instead of freaking Cracker Barrel you know, and, and eating hot dogs out of 7-Eleven. Learn from another culture. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go with the rotisserie hot dog, bro, anytime soon. But I'll mention uh, a quick golf story about Donald Trump that I heard the other day. So he's playing golf, I, I believe, at one of his clubs, because God knows no other club would let him be a member because he cheats. But he's playing with uh, Mike Tirico, who's the voice of Monday Night Football. And Mike puts the ball about 10 feet away from the hole and he goes up to putt and he can't find the ball right and uh they find it about 50 feet away from where they had tracked it back in the tee box mike finishes the hole and instead of putting for eagle he manages to get a double bogey and trump's caddy later tells him trump kicked your ball i saw him do it yeah you know so trump not only cheats to improve his score he cheats to ruin his opponents like that shows you who he is, man. It's not just about improving him. It's about ruining everyone else. Well, cause you know, and that's, there's a million stories like that, Jimmy, that's how he plays golf. My buddies used to play golf with him. You know, he right. can't compete on an, a level playing field, right? He was born a dumbass. He was born with learning disabilities that his family was too embarrassed to address. He's dyslexic. You know, right. they hit it instead of saying, let's get the kids some help. 
He had behavioral problems. He was punching his teachers, you know, instead of like sending him to a shrink, they sent him to reform school, i.e. military school. And he tried to throw his roommate out the window and tell everybody he was a world series caliber, you know, pitcher and, and baseball player. You know, he's, he, he's a lunatic. And, and I'll just say one other thing. It's a great story, Jimmy, and I'm glad you shared it. It's a great metaphor for who he is. He didn't not get into these other clubs because he cheated. He got into them because he beat his wife. Okay. And it was seen as, you know, a horrible declasse kind of thing as it is. He tried to join Maidstone where I was just spent the most of this week. And uh, the, my, the beach I go to is right next to Maidstone, Egypt Beach in the Hamptons. And I saw whales all week and stuff. The whales just swim in the water now because of global warming, because <laughs> they have to come in closer to get food, which is heartbreaking, but it's cool to watch. But um, so, yeah, he didn't get into he tried to join Maidstone in the 80s and they gave him like a temporary summer you know, membership. And then he wanted to be a full member. And they were like, it's never going to happen, bro. <laughs> you know, and that's when he started opening his own golf courses, because he couldn't he just knew like, if that was the top one, he knew he wasn't going to get in. But uh, yeah, he's a cheat. He, he and, and they're all cheat. And they're getting the people that they cheated to help them cheat more, right? Yeah. They're getting yeah. the people that they cheated to help them cheat more. That's what the GOP is now. It's this same illusion that this country was sort of founded on. I'm going to get the indentured servants that I'm bringing over here to work for pennies from Ireland, you know, or wherever to resent the African-Americans and the enslaved people. So they don't realize that the wealthy landowner is the one who's really screwing them over and keeping them down. Right. That's how it works, man. That's like sort of the foundation of industrial empire capitalism, right? It's the guy who owns the steel factory who's going to rally against the unionization of workers and trying to get a fair shake at things because you want a company store, right? You want right. these people indebted to you because you get nothing but cheap labor for the rest of your life. And that's what the Koch brothers sort of have institutionalized into American politics. And you get all these wing nuts like Ted Cruz and Lauren Boebert and, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Madison Cawthorn or whatever the freak his name is. <laughs> and uh, and they kind of like they do their bidding and they do the performative kind of saying crazy stuff like Marjorie Taylor Greene said, Biden's not a president. He's a piece of shit. Right. She said that on a video. She's <laughs> I, a member of Congress. Like, that's insane. Can you imagine talking about your boss, essentially, you know, you're an elective <laughs> representative. He's the highest representative. It'd be like if I was on a rock tour and I was like, Mick Jagger sucks. Fuck that guy. You know what I mean? He's not a singer. He's a dick. Right. Like and put yeah. a video like what I expect to still work on that tour when I showed up tomorrow. Like that's how if I said Jerry Seinfeld's an asshole, <laughs> you know, like when I worked again as a comedian. And I worked for Jerry Seinfeld on the marriage ref and he is an asshole, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> I was going to say, Jerry seems like a really nice guy. Or at I, least... I wouldn't go that far, Jimmy. He, he's not what you would say is a really nice guy. I don't think anybody would accuse Jerry of being a really nice guy. He's not an evil guy, you know, but well, he's I not... saw him. Uh, I saw him talk to like Kesha and she's like, Jerry, can I give you a hug? And he's like, no, thanks. <laughs> it was like the most Jerry Seinfeld yeah. thing ever in real That's life. You know? No, he's, you know, he's it, look, we worked with him on the marriage ref. He never said hi to us like you'd get in an oh. elevator with him it'd be like you and jerry coming in on monday morning and you'd think he'd acknowledge you a little bit and be like hey how's your weekend none of that like he just Fair enough. If, you're, if you're famous he'll stop and talk to you if you're not famous he doesn't really want to deal with you Fair enough. look if yeah. jerry 
I, I'll get in trouble. I shouldn't go on. If Jerry had like dated a 17 year old, like he did back in the nineties, now his career would have been over. Yeah. You know, the best thing that happened to Jerry was like, he got famous at a different time. And uh, his, his manager is a friend of mine. I love George Shapiro and stuff. And look, Jerry's like a teacher to me just because he's a student of comedy and all this. I, I'm not trying to get on a rant on Jerry. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, how do you like say something like that, like being Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and expect to not have repercussions and she won't have repercussions? Yeah, it, I think it came out this week. Lauren Boebert's husband made like half a million dollars that they didn't disclose, you know? She went from working at McDonald's a few years ago. It's not like these guys aren't going to take advantage of the perks that the job gets them. You know, th these are folks that are elevating themselves out of poverty. Why wouldn't you give other people in this country the same chance? That's a great you know? point. Jimmy, you're a psychic because that's what I was getting towards. That's exactly what I was getting towards. So they come in here and they do this performative clown act, right? But they're not clowns. Lauren Boebert learned real <laughs> quick. I get on the Natural Resources Council and I propose legislation that benefits oil companies and drilling in Colorado near outside of Rifle, Colorado, my district, then I get paid. Right. So her husband started getting paid right away when she was campaigning. They're like, here's a half a million dollars. What you want to do is like knock down any legislation that stops drilling in Colorado on public lands. And what did she do as soon as she got to Congress? She started to write a bill that did just that. <laughs> she sits on the Natural Resources Council and not just because her middle name is Opal. That's a joke because it's a gym, yeah. right? You know, yeah. but uh, and she's from Florida. She never stood a chance. Let's be honest. Her middle name <laughs> Opal. She's from Florida. It was either stripper or congresswoman, right? Those were her two options. And congresswoman is going to tip better, right? And that's what she's doing. She's getting tips from the oil and gas industry. You know, mm. that that's what it's all about now. And they do it out in the open. It's always been that way, right? Special interests and big business has always bought and sold politicians, Democratic and Republican alike. Okay. But the Republicans have taken this sort of WrestleMania monster truck ethos to next level stuff that's now disruptive to American society. Okay, it used to just happen behind the scenes and everything was kind of copacetic for most folks. So you went about your life and you didn't pay that much attention to it. Now the politicians are lighting fires everywhere, you know, and making it life is hazardous. So you die in your country. The reason all these red states are against anti-mask stuff in schools, because they want a dumb populace, right? These poor kids have already lost a year's worth of education and socialization because of the shutdown, right? And now you're messing with it again. Instead of saying, hey, everybody wears a mask. All the teachers are vaxxed, mandatory, all the workers. Let's get these kids back in school and back to normal learning again in the classroom. That's not what they're doing because they know that they can further alienate this, this demographic. Like these people are going to get so stupid. Like you missed two years of public education in Florida. You ain't becoming a Rhodes Scholar. You, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Unless you really want it really bad. But more likely you're going to be like, you know what? I'm 18. Hooters is hiring. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that to, to denigrate these people. I'm saying that's the plan. They need hourly workers. They don't want a big educated population. They've never been fans of public education. They send their schools to elite, their kids to elite private schools, right? It's the right. same thing I'm saying. The elite ruling class wants to dominate the working class. And there's no middle class much anymore. It's either top one percenters 
you know, or people on the bottom. And the only way you get up from the bottom is education. So COVID is a great opportunity to make sure a big swath of Americans, mostly rural whites in Southern states, don't ever, ever get up off the bottom. That's what this is about. That's why DeSantis and these guys are kind of causing yet another round of chaos. There's 6,000 kids quarantined in Tampa. No, 10,000. It went up. It was 10,000 yesterday. 10,000 students quarantined after four days of school. That's the second year in a row like these guys have had this craziness. If I was in high school and I was a troubled, I was a troubled student. You know, I didn't care about studying and stuff. I had all these other things, emotional kind of shit I was dealing with when I was a teenager. I'd have been out of there by now. You know what I mean? I'd have been like, you know what? I'm gone. I'm going to go to bail and be a ski bum or something like, which I did anyway, you know, but I waited till I graduated high school. Like these guys aren't going to wait. And that's what they want. They want them to drop out and give up because then they're stuck. Then they're working at Arby's. They're working at Walmart. They're working at Amazon. That's, that'll be the big step up. You know, you get a higher wage at Amazon, but then you're, that's a whole nother disaster that you're never going to get out from under. Yeah, well, and thankfully, you know, in my situation, I grew up in a pretty well-off city uh, with a really good public education system. But as somebody with a disability, you know, I was susceptible to the flu and just getting a cold more than the average kid. You know, not only are you dealing with the average kid not being able to attend school, but people with disabilities or underlying conditions. They need a mask just to be able to walk in the room, let alone learn any kind of lesson. You know, how much are you actually retaining if you're worried about getting a disease the entire time you're in the damn building? Let's give children peace of mind. Can we not traumatize them in their earliest years? I mean, can America at least do that for our kids? I don't know. We're not doing that. We're not a country that cares about our kids, Jimmy. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? I know. This country I know. has changed more in the last five years than I've seen it change in the last 50 years. You know, and I'm 50 years old. I've been paying attention since I was about three or four, you know, because I had to. So right. like, you know, don't kid yourself about where this country is going in the direction of it. It's not that it's a good place, but we're in dark days, man. You know, and the bad guys are winning in many ways. Look yeah. at climate change. Do you know how much has to be done that people are unwilling to do to turn this thing around? When I worked on touring bands, you know, my mentor and one of my main dudes is a guy named Jackson Brown. He's the reason I'm in the business. And I did my first big rock tour with him and I was a road manager and his, his wife partner started something called the plastic pollution organization coalition, Pl plastic pollution coalition. And it was about trying to stop single use plastics in a commercial yeah. sense, right? That's what causes the ocean gyre. That's what's killing all the whales and marine life and killing our oceans. And 80% of the living species on the planet are in the oceans. The oceans die, you die, Jimmy. You know, it's as simple as that, right? Yeah. So he was like, we're going out on this big rock tour. We're going to be going all across the United States. And, and when you're on a rock tour, you get what's called after show food, right? So every night you get a bunch of takeout food. Sounds good, right? It's good. It yeah. does to me. Yeah, I know it does. It's good for everybody. It's on your tour bus, right? So you're in the yeah. band and the crew. When you've finished your hard day working and playing, you're going to get on the tour bus and there's going to be all this local nice food there. Barbecue, right? It's yeah. awesome. But you get carry out food in this country. It's coming in a plastic bag, in a styrofoam container. They're giving you 50 plastic forks. You know, your side of coleslaw is coming in a plastic thing. So he was like, figure out how to not make this happen, 
right? So we got stainless steel water bottles for everybody in the crew. We brought our own water filter on the road. We threw it on the truck with all the amps and speakers and stuff. And it was my job when I did the after show food is that I would find restaurants that like, look, I don't want this stuff in takeout containers. I got my own stainless steel containers. I'm bringing them to you sanitized. I'm going to place an order for $500 worth of barbecue or whatever it is, you know, because they're big bills, you know, burritos, whatever it was. And you're going to put it in these containers, you know, and we did that every night for months, cross crisscrossing the country. And it was a pain in the ass, Jimmy. You know, it was hard to do. And it's so much easier for people to just take the plastic straw and the plastic fork. But that's going to kill you. And that's going to kill your planet. And as I said last week, nobody wants to be the one to do the annoying kind of pain in the ass thing. But you get used to it real quick, right? And that's what we need leadership for to say, hey, guys, you know, and a lot of municipalities have already banned plastic bags, right? You can't get a plastic bag in New York City anymore. You know, you go to the grocery store now, you bring your own bags. People are getting used to that. You'll get used to not getting plastic forks and stuff. You don't need all this crap. You can carry your own reusable fork with you. You know, you can learn how to use a pair of chopsticks or something. You can make this stuff out of bamboo and all kinds of alternative things. And once again, the right, any talk of this, it's like, oh, you hippie liberal, they're trying to take away your hamburgers. (laughs) No, we're just trying to save the freaking planet for your kids too. And my point is like, there are so many challenges above us facing us right now. And that's why the GOP and all this stuff is so dangerous, because you really need cohesion as a country, and we need to be coming together to address education, healthcare, infrastructure, climate. You know, we've never had more challenges in front of us, and we've never had more obstinacy and sort of bad guys trying to make sure the good shit doesn't happen. It's like we're trying to learn and progress and somebody keeps pulling the fire alarm because they think it's cute to make everybody have to walk out in the parking lot in the middle of the school day. That's what the Republicans are doing. It's not about legislating anymore. It's about creating chaos. You know, it's about Jim Jordan sitting in on hearings and screaming, you know, and Lindsey Graham pretending like he's really offended that they'd accuse Brett Kavanaugh of raping somebody, which he obviously did. You know, it's about this performative assholeness and and trump was the perfect guy for this because they're like look he gets away with it he's rich and powerful and he got nobody held him accountable he was clearly working for the russians there was clearly a massive investigation they clearly found evidence of it and nobody really had the will to enforce any of it and now he's emboldened again this thing in afghanistan i'm telling you man this ain't going away this will define biden it'll be the only talking point It'll get married with xenophobia and with like they're sending all these refugees to your town, which started right away. Right. You saw the photographs and the tweets right away of right wingers being like, do you want this plane load in your town? Yeah, I do. I'd rather have them than MAGA guys any day of the week. You know, (laughs) any day of the week, I'd take that over some redneck in a pickup truck and a huge lawnmower living next door to me any day of the week. Well, it's every white guy that I know is the one carrying the gun. You know, I'm, I'm going to take the refugee with, you know, a dollar in his pocket as opposed to the white guy with a gun on his hip. You know, stop pretending like you're some uh, John Wayne cartoon character. You're uh, most of them are domestic terrorists when you walk around with a gun openly like you're some kind of cowboy. You're not. You're living in the suburbs like we've talked about, bro. Like 
you're comfortable. What are you, what are you so uh, gun tooting about, man? I know they wouldn't wear a mask. They spent their all day long sitting in their basements playing video games, right? <laughs> you're playing Call of Duty, but you wouldn't put on a mask. You missed the point, bro. You yeah. wouldn't step up when it counted. You know, that, that's, that's the defining theme of, of the MAGA generation and the people that identify as Republicans now. You know, when it counted, you didn't step up. You failed your country. You failed your children's future. You failed yourself. And you should be ashamed. And we need to call these people on it. It's no more like, well, we got to be nice. Masks are a political issue. No, it's a health <laughs> issue. Grow up. Anyway, this is kind of a, a hardcore episode. And uh, that's the way it is, man. It's a hardcore yeah. week. I don't know. What do you got to say, Jimmy? We're going to say goodbye now. Um, I can lighten it up a little bit. Uh, Tim Tebow got cut by the Jaguars this week for the uh, tight end spot that they had available for him. I just interviewed a guy that played tight end at, at the NFL level. Okay. And this guy was the best player I ever saw at the high school level. He was a star at UCLA uh, and managed to play one season for the Chargers before getting cut. Uh, I'm not saying everybody knew Tim Tebow was going to get cut, but looks like he's he's no longer uh, in the running for an NFL job, but he'll be a commentator for ESPN in a matter of months. So you just wait, man. You'll see him on TV. Right on. Is, t- is tight end the guys who like jump up in the air and catch the ball? They're like the offensive lineman and receiver combo. The, like Gronkowski yeah. and stuff? Yeah, Gronk's yeah. a tight end. Yeah. yeah that's a yeah. tough job. That's because that's the one where you get yeah. tackled by two dudes in the middle of the air when you're, when you're, oh, yeah. Extended. Yeah. For a quarterback to say that they can play tight end, you know, it's like a point guard saying they can play center. You know, yeah, you can play it, but it's not going to go well. <laughs> you know, whatever. Good, good for Tim for trying. Right on. Well, on that note, hey, man, I got some shows coming up, folks. They're coming up quickly. A little less than a month. I'm going to be at the Rams Head Tavern in Annapolis, Maryland. It's one of my favorite places to be. I was there 10 years ago with Stephen Stills. I was his road manager. I stood on the side of the stage and ran his teleprompter. You'd use a teleprompter, too, if you wrote most of your songs 50 years ago when you were stoned. (laughs) And now you're trying to remember them. Everybody does. There's no shame. But we had a good gig that night. It was kind of crazy. And I'll tell that story and many more. So I'm looking forward to that. That's Thursday, September 16th. It's only a $20 ticket. I'm going to be masked, vaxxed. It's going to be safe. I won't wear my mask when I'm talking in the microphone. But I will wear it when I say hi to you after the show. So I hope to see you there. I'll also be in Connecticut, Norwalk, right in my neck of the woods. South Norwalk is a kick-ass place to hang out. That's going to be Thursday, November 18th. That's a big theater, Wall Street Theater, man, 700 seats. So come on out for that. And uh, look forward to seeing you all there. You can find me at noelcastler.com. All the ticks and links and all that stuff you need is on there. So until next week, this is episode 25. I'm going to let my boy Jimmy plug his thing for you right now. Jimmy, plug. JBK On Air uh, is my podcast. You can check out all of my stuff at jbkonair.com. Follow me, JBK On Air, Twitter and Instagram. Hit me up. There you go. And Jimmy's Facebook free, man. How's that feel, Jimmy? It's a 500-pound monkey off my back, man. I don't have to have it on you know, don't have to worry about it. Don't have to get the notifications constantly. Leave me alone, Mark. I don't need your notifications. Did you see Mark Zuckerberg yesterday in his Oculus glasses? And his Oculus. Yeah, he looked really cool. He looked <laughs> really cool, man. <laughs> He's such a nerd. Like, what shut a, up. 
dork, man. God <laughs> damn. You think you could hire like a hip consultant or something? You know, you're a billionaire. Just have somebody follow you around and be like, bro, no, no. <laughs> Get off the wakeboard. Don't put, you know, SPF 60 white face paint on your face and then take a picture, man. You're a billionaire. Act like it. You know, I was, I was telling you, I was out on this nice beach out in the Hamptons earlier this week. And I saw, I think it was little John past me, you know, heading huh. right down by Maidstone, you know, and uh, in a black, you know, a black Rolls Royce with blacked out windows, brand <laughs> new with a paper license plate. Just there you ride, go. riding shut, you know, holding it up by the, by the wheel. Like, I'm like, that's cool. You know, that's how I'd be rolling. If I was a billionaire, enjoy it. Give back to others. Most importantly, you know, buy a few toys and then like solve a few problems and, and enjoy yourself. Don't like try to be a Mark Zuckerberg kids. Don't be a Mark Zuckerberg. That's our lesson. So anyway, episode 25, six months in the books of the Noel Kastler podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. Be safe.